We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host Nick Bellato. And tonight was the first night of the 2021 NFL Draft and boy did it bring some surprises. Holy crap, where do we even start to this night? I mean, this was insanity, Nick. It was surprising. There were twists, there were turns. The Giants made their first trade back, or I should say Dave Gettleman made his first trade back in his career, dating back not only through his four drafts with the Giants, but also through his time as the Carolina Panthers general manager. Just totally caught us all by surprise. Not from the logical standpoint, I don't think, and we'll get to this in a moment, but just from the sense that he hadn't done it. Obviously, once the board fell how it did, which I think was also a surprise, it made total sense to trade back. But what was going through your head when both those corners came off the board, Dallas was sitting, and you knew they wanted one of those two corners. You knew it was a two-corner class with the injury situation with uh, Caleb Farley going on there, and Newsom just not quite there, also has injury concerns for himself, and obviously no other defensive player fully worthy of being picked there, so they took advantage of that, and we saw it flash above our eyes, the Eagles trading up one spot ahead of the Giants, reminiscent of that 2016 NFL draft when the Chicago Bears traded one spot ahead of the Giants, selected Leonard Floyd, the Giants panicked and took Eli Apple. This draft, they didn't panic though. They had something up their sleeve, ready to pull the trigger on. So what were your thoughts with one, the Eagles trading up? Did you know it was going to be for Dante Smith? Did you think it was because they knew the Giants wanted Smith? And then what were your thoughts right after when you immediately almost saw, well, look, the Giants have made a trade. The Bears are on the clock. Honestly, I don't know if anybody here has seen the Christmas story before, but at the part with the little kid with the glasses, he goes, oh, fudge. 
only I didn't say fudge. <laughs> that was my reaction when I saw the Eagles jump the Giants. It was, like you said, reminiscent of the time when Jerry Reese got jumped for Leonard Floyd and Jack Conklin. It was like, man, we got caught sitting on our hands. Not that I wanted the Giants to trade up. It was more of just a circumstance. It's also like, oh, man, both these NFC East teams are conspiring against the Giants to jump to get Devonta Smith. Obviously, it makes a lot of sense for the Cowboys, but that was the target in my mind. I knew they were going to get Devonta Smith, and it was like, oh, geez, all these leaks. And it wasn't a great feeling, to be honest. But then, once I heard the Giants traded down, and I didn't even hear the compensation yet, but I'm like, yo, they're falling nine picks, and the Bears are going to get their quarterback. Giants have to be getting some really good return here. So I was expecting either a one from next year, which obviously it ended up being, or getting a bunch of day two picks in this draft, which would have also been nice too. So I am I love the fact the Giants ended up trading back, getting out of that situation. Once I saw Sertan and J.C. Horn off the board before Dallas, made me a little bit weary, but I did not expect Philly to do that, to jump the Giants to get Devonta Smith. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And Christmas Story is a very, very, very underrated movie that I definitely enjoy as well, even as a Jew. I still like that movie a lot. I don't know if that's uh, if that's a thing, <laughs> Jews aren't allowed to watch Christmas Story. But you know what? Even as a Jew, I do like it. And yeah, like you said, I, I it was such a quick turn of events for me, especially because at first I was like, this board is breaking literally as poorly as possible mm-hmm. for the Giants because... Obviously, there was a glaring value still left on the board in Rashawn Slater, but we've known for quite some time the Giants were not interested in Rashawn Slater. The Giants are not trying to draft over Matt Parrott. They have made the decision that we are going to let Parrott start this season. And worst case scenario, we're going to turn to Nate Solder, who they know is a veteran, who they think can step in if it really bottoms out mm-hmm. for Parrott. But they don't want to draft a big talent over Parrott. So even though Slater fell, which was beautiful value ultimately for the Chargers at 13, and they snapped that right up for Justin Herbert, amazing pick for them. We knew they weren't going to take him, so at that point I was like, this is the worst case scenario for the Giants, because only one left who I really had interest in was Devontae Smith. I did not like any of those edges. I did not think personally any of those edges were even worthy of a first-round pick, with the exception of Phillips, who has the off-field stuff. Then you look at the linebacker, Mika Parsons. I don't know about him. There's so many off-field weird things going on, which I guess we're going to have to get to with ultimately who the Giants did select, Kadarius Toney, who does have some off-field stuff as well that we're going to have to talk about especially because, you know, there has been a recent pick the Giants have made that totally backfired due to all-field stuff. But having said all that, I didn't really see any glaring player I liked then. Two corners already off the board. Like, there just wasn't value. And so what did they do? Bang, they turned it into a win by trading back. And not only did they trade back, they got a really freaking good haul from the Bears. I posted this on Twitter. In 2019, the Steelers moved up from 20 to 10. So that they even moved one spot further down than the Giants did. Because I'm sorry, than the Bears did. The Bears moved from 20 to 11. And the Steelers got back 52 overall and the next year's third round pick. If you look at any draft trade value chart, the Giants' first alone that they have from the Bears next year is worth more than that pick, even if, and more than 52 in the future third, even if that's the 32nd pick. If the Bears win the Super Bowl, that pick will still be worth more than 52 and the future third that the Broncos, or yeah, that the Broncos got from the Steelers. And that doesn't even factor in the Giants also got a fourth round pick next year from the Bears and a fifth round pick this year. Plus, if that Bears pick isn't 32, and let's say the Bears bottom out, or let's say they don't pull Texans and they're just a mid-range, mid-pack team, six, seven, eight, nine wins. Nine's probably not going to happen. Let's say six, seven, eight wins. That pick's going to be anywhere from six to 16, and that has 
ultimately so much more value than what the Broncos got from the Steelers. So just an unbelievable actual trade haul. And you know, Gettleman said it all along, like, I'm not going to do a trade unless I get a great haul. So I guess he really was holding out and he got that good haul. And ultimately, something you mentioned, Nick, that we didn't talk about a lot, but you mentioned a lot, I guess, off pod. We didn't really mention this much on the pod. The trade back scenario from 11 really made the most sense if one of those quarterbacks fell. And I ultimately, I don't think Bears would have made this move for Mac Jones. So realistically, the fact that Justin Fields was the one still on the board and that he didn't go to the Panthers, which I thought was a distinct possibility, ended up ultimately helping the Giants, I think. I think you're right. I think it's actually really interesting, too, because another destination for Justin Fields possibly was the Denver Broncos. And if they went with Justin Fields at 9, and Patrick Sertain would have fell to 10. Yes. Dallas would have went with Sertain, and then the Giants would have ended up with Devonta Smith. But because of their choices, they ended up going with Patrick Sertain. The Cowboys were like, well, screw it. We'll just trade out of this spot. Eagles were like, all right, we'll, take, we'll give you a third-round pick, and you, you can jump the New York Giants and grab this guy. It's just so crazy how the butterfly effect kind of plays into the draft so yes. much with where these guys end up falling to. But I think you're 100% right, man. I mean, it's... Justin Fields being around, that that was the guy because I'm sure the Bears were like, yo, we can't have him get to the get to the Patriots because they might want to go with a player like Justin Fields. Yes. We got to jump up here. We have to secure this pick. So uh, excellent for for the Giants to trade down. And I, I looked like it was just not going to be great. I even tweeted about it. I was like, oh, man, this is not – and that's not a slight on Slater at all. Like, I just did not expect the Giants to go Slater, like you said. it was the They're not going to smack Matt Pert in the face. They're trusting him, Pert. They're trusting the development of these young guys. Right. And they also didn't trust that they were going to go with Micah Parsons because the off-the-field stuff, which – doesn't seem to be a thing with Kadarius Tony. I mean, it really, it really just seems like the Giants wanted to add an offensive playmaker. They wanted to keep adding an, to this offense what they've done this offseason. They brought in John Rawls, Kyle Rudolph, getting Saquon Barkley back. You have Kenny Galladay. They really wanted to add an explosive playmaker. That's why I think they love Jalen Waddle. Obviously, he went in the top ten to Miami. Mm-hmm. So getting in Kadarius Tony is the uh, the knockoff version of that, which I think is lazy analysis, to be honest, because they're different players. They're, yeah. They are different players, but just from the sense that Kadarius Tony is an explosive playmaker, so is Jalen Waddle. Mm-hmm, for sure, and we'll talk about the actual pick shortly. But there is still more to talk about, in my mind at least, with the trade, because ultimately, what I really like most about this trade is how it sets them up for the 2022 draft because really and I tweeted about this as well you're looking at a very very much so a win-win situation for that next season because Mm -hmm. you head into this draft with that extra first round pick from the Bears and so either the Giants are a very good team in 2021 and they get a late first from being a very good team they make the playoffs Daniel Jones takes a jump Garrett takes a jump he fixes his offense they win a playoff game let's say they pick 25 26 27 something like that plus whatever the Bears pick is. And then you use those two first and you build an already strong roster, a roster that just made the playoffs and win. Or Jones doesn't progress. Garrett's still awful and his system sucks. The offensive line is somehow worse because they lost out on Kevin Zeitler and the rest of the guys don't develop. You bottom out, you get a top 10 pick plus whatever that Bears pick is. And now you have a new GM in because I don't give a crap what the biggest Giants homer is going to tell me. Because somebody's actually trying to argue with this to me. Like I tweeted about someone's like, are you crazy? You think that if the Giants have a top 10 pick next year, they're going to fire Dave Gettleman? They should be giving him an extension. I'm like, are you out of your mind to think that if the Giants have a top 10 pick next year, the fourth straight year, Mara's going to bring him back? Like, It's out of control to even think that. It's like beyond homerism. It's to the next level of that. But 
Again, the reality is if they do bottom out this year, they're going to have a new GM and that new GM is likely going to be looking for a new quarterback and he's going to have a top 10 pick from the Giants plus whatever the Bears pick is. So let's say he wants to move into that top three. If a team picking the top three just selected a quarterback, say it's the Jacksonville Jaguars who have Trevor Lawrence, but nothing else really on that roster besides some skill players and the horrible offensive line, horrible defense. Well, the Jaguars are picking two or three. The Giants can couple that top 10 pick of their own with whatever they get from the Bears. Bang use that ammo to move on up take the quarterback of their choice in the next draft so it's just a win-win scenario to have that kind of draft ammo and then throwing on top of that what you saw from Ian Rappaport just before the draft and what you heard from both Dave Gettleman and Chris Pettit after the draft which is that they value and I think they're correct in valuing this because Rappaport says this is league-wide this is every GM believes this these 22 22 picks are going to be worth a lot more and these 2021 picks because they're going to have more more to work with. They're going to be able to go down and meet these guys. They're going to have a real combine. They're going to have guys who, like Gettleman said, there are a lot of players who are using the NCAA's rule that they added this year, which is last year didn't count against the player's eligibility. So if he wanted to, he was able to come back even if he wasn't eligible to. And all of that is going to lead to a more talented class with more information on it. And the Giants are going to now have an extra first round pick. So just the actual trade, just slam dunk trade for the Giants. One of the best moves I think this regime has made since Dave Gettleman took over. I think a case could be made. This is the best move ever made during the Gettleman era. I love the fact that next season we're going to be heading into a draft with two first round picks. And what a roller coaster this was, man. To see that the Giants were getting jumped by the Eagles and be like, oh, we're going to lose out on Devonta Smith. What are we just going to sit at 11 select Quiddy Pay? Yes. Like, is that what's going to happen right now? <laughs> and literally just to see the Bears come up and then we hear that it was a one that the Giants got. I mean, that was that was exciting. And now, hey, Big Blue Banter listeners, down with the Bears. Bears got to <laughs> suck. The Bears got to suck this next season. Yeah, and speaking of the Bears next season, here's a list of their 2021 opponents. They've got their division. We all know that. Packers, as long as they don't trade Aaron Rodgers, should be a really tough matchup for them twice. Likely to be two losses there. The Lions are going to be an easy game for them, but if you look at those games last year, they struggled against the Lions. The Lions struggled against them. Those are stupid division games. Those are like those old school when the Eagles and Giants were bad last year. It was just a slugfest. Giants, Cowboys, bad. You know, total slugfest. Same thing with the Washington games last year. So those aren't locks. They have the Cardinals. They play the NFC West. That's not good. You don't want to play the Cardinals, 49ers, Rams, and Seahawks. That's one of the toughest visions to play in football. Mm -hmm. That's a great sign for the Giants. Then you go cross-court, or I'm sorry, cross-conference. You got the AFC North. That's another division you don't want to face. The Steelers, Browns, and Ravens. Bengals potentially taking a step forward with Joe Burrow in in his second year. Like, this is a hard schedule for the Bears. I'm looking at the schedule based on those divisions, and they're basically collapsing offensive line they haven't added talent to that offensive line in years that offensive line is worse than the Giants and stands to be one of the worst in the NFL with Andy Dalton behind them with a defense that just lost Kyle Fuller with potential for a rookie quarterback like Justin Fields to come in and we know generally rookie quarterbacks can struggle to get wins on the board and we could be looking at a potential top five top 10 pick here with the Bears next year I really hope we get the Miami Dolphins got from the Houston Texans oh, unreal <laughs> wouldn't that just be something imagine dude? if they take that and then pull a Dolphins and trade back from <laughs> 3 to 12 and they just keep getting more first round picks baby keep them flowing keep them flowing dude 
That would be awesome. And look, look, look at the excitement here. Like it's like three o'clock in the morning. It is three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and there is a lot of excitement here on the Big Blue Banter podcast because we're not used to these trade backs, man. And then this, this literally, like you said, this could set the Giants up. No matter what happens with the Giants this season, this is beneficial because the Giants are going to have that ammo to trade up for a quarterback if they want to, which is excellent. If Daniel Jones falls on his face, which we all hope does not happen, or let's say there's another Kyle Pitts type in next year's class because mm-hmm. we, who we know behind the scenes, I've heard from one trusted guy that they loved Pitts. They really wanted Pitts. He was their guy in this class. Yeah. If there was any way to get him, there was no way to get him. Atlanta loved him too. They just love Florida guys? I guess so. <laughs> they probably, that's probably how they started getting onto Kadarius Tony, honestly, by watching Pitts film. Would be my guess because you see him and you see Tony flash and you're like, okay, this kid can ball too. You see 2020 Tony too, man. Yeah. There are some plays where you're like, well, we'll get into Kadarius For in sure. a little bit, but whew. Yeah, you, he, you can't, it, like, he's a freak. Um, he could be there. There's the ceiling for him is beyond. There's no real comparable ceiling for him. So anyway, with that said, you know, next year, same thing. If they feel like Daniel Jones took the step forward, and let's say the Giants are pretty good next year, and the Bears are horrible, right? This is the the the, the, goal, the goal here is let's have the Bears lose as many games as possible. Every single week, you should all be rooting hard against the Bears. Like literally every week, watch those Bears games, follow those Bears games. When you're on red zone and you're watching the games, and you see some like late game collapse by Chicago, Andy Dalton throws a pick six before he gets benched for Fields. Celebrate those moments because they're worth so much. Literally every single pick. Every single loss is worth so much value to the Giants. Mm. You saw it tonight. I mean, they turned pick 10 into a next-year first-rounder and two more picks. That's a big haul from going 10 to 12. Or, I'm sorry, pick 11. Sorry. I was thinking of that Broncos trade. Pick 11 to go to 20. They got 20, next year's first, and two more picks. That's the kind of value you can get. So every loss for the Bears matters for sure. With that said... um, Obviously, there's still a little bit more to talk about with this trade before we get into the actual pick, which was Darius Tony. One other thing I wanted to talk about, though, before that was regarding the Eagles, I'm going to take my crow, Nick, because I was the one who said I did not think Harry Roseman would go back-to-back first-round wide receivers. Even when they traded up, it made so much sense to me that they were going to take Smith, because obviously, why would they trade one spot out of the Giants? Who've been... But I was still in my back of my head like, I still don't think they're going to go receiver back-to-back. Harry Roseman, I don't even think he's the type of trade-up guy. He's trading up. He's giving up future assets. That's never something the Eagles do. And then to go receiver. So all that surprised me, so I got to eat my crow on that. I guess they either really love Smith, or they just felt like they needed you know, another playmaker to try to help Hurts at this time of his career. That's what it is. And I really hope that third round pick that Dallas got ends up being a baller twice a year against the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't hope for that because that means that Dallas gets a good player. I want them twice a year. Uh, twice just a twice year. a year. He has two random good games. It's some some sort of curse. You know? I don't mind that. Yeah, I don't mind that. I, don't mind. I like a good curse. I like a good curse actually. Um, getting a little spooky on the Big Blue Banter podcast at three a.m. But yeah, ultimately, great stuff for me. But let's get to the actual pick. And before we get to the pick, I want to preface it by saying this: a really interesting question. I put this at the top of my list for things I wanted to find your opinion on in this podcast, Nick. What would you rather have, Devontae Smith, so say, in this scenario, I don't know, the Broncos don't take a corner out of nowhere, they take like, I don't know, Mac Jones or Justin Fields, whatever. Dallas goes the corner, goes Zertan, and Giants take Devontae Smith. Or would you rather Kadarius Toney, next year's Bears first round pick, next year's Bears fourth round pick, and this year's Bears fifth round pick? What would you rather? 
So I don't believe that the two players are comparable right now. They, they're two totally different skill sets. Devonta Smith is much more of a technician, but his releases at the line of scrimmage are absolutely phenomenal. Where Kadarius Toney, it's incredibly raw. You don't even see him go up against press or do those things too often. There's a lot of design touches. And, I mean, Kadarius Toney, don't get me wrong, he has, a lot, he has some nuance to his game. But, I mean, he's great after the catch. But con- comparing him to Devonta Smith isn't exactly fair right now. But I do love the prospects of having that 2022 first-round pick. It's more of an unknown. We don't know what that's going to be. But I love the fact that you were able to get this high draft capital. And I do believe it sets up, like we said earlier, the Giants for a pretty good position. That if Daniel Jones does fall on his face, they have more ammo to trade up. So I think I'm going to go with actually what ended up happening with Kadarius Toney, who has a ton of upside, isn't the player Devonta Smith is, but does have this explosive playmaking ability. And then those other picks to kind of help replenish the roster uh the dearth of talent is going to be on the roster especially after this 2021 season what about you i would definitely rather the Kadarius tony plus the picks mm-hmm. i it's not that like so like for me it's like if i could have got my guy there at 20 which would who was on the board which was elijah moore or rashad bateman but preferably elijah moore then it's like elijah moore plus those picks mm-hmm. to me is a no-brainer and then Kadarius Tony, I still see a lot of upside there. We're going to talk about him. He brings a totally different element, honestly, than, than Elijah Moore. They're really not that similar players besides the fact that they're both small. Um, but ultimately, that kind of draft capital to me is worth so much. I just, the potential for that Bears pick, man, like the Bears with that schedule and with their quarterback situation and with their offensive line situation could be one of the worst teams in the NFL next year. They probably could scrap. They're probably not going to be. They're probably going to scrap out five to six wins, maybe seven, maybe eight. But they could be really bad. And they could be looking at a pick next year where the Giants can get if they wanted to. They won't because hopefully Kadarius Tony's good. But And they just signed Kenny Galladay. But if they wanted to, they could maybe get another Devontae Smith-type talent at that Bears pick next year in addition to Tony, in addition to the fourth-round pick, in addition to fifth-round pick. So for me, it's a no-brainer. I would much rather all those swings mm-hmm. than than one player like Devontae Smith. Yeah, I wanted to preface it that the players I don't you don't I don't hold them in the yeah. same caliber right now. I don't think a lot of people do. But yeah, no, I agree. And Kadarius, man, I mean, we could just dive right into. Well, to be fair, actually, I did want to jump into something you just said because they actually asked Chris Pettit, the Giants. Um, I don't know what his official title is with Giants. He's like I'm pretty one sure of the he's, the di- he's the director of uh, college scouting. Director of college scouting. Yeah, he said that. Tony was number one on their board, which obvious, but he also said he didn't have him too too far behind those big three receivers. So for him, in his mind, they were he was comparable. So so number one on the board in terms of at twenty at twenty, yeah, yeah. 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 But he said, according to him, he doesn't have him too far too behind. far behind, still behind behind. But yeah, he said yeah. too far, and yeah, I agree. If you're talking in coach speak, saying not too far behind could mean any range because you're exactly. gonna you're gonna paint a nice picture. And Gettleman was asked something like that too, and he was like, "Look, we love Kadarius." Like, like they asked him about Devonta Smith, and mm-hmm. he just kind of tried, gushed about Kadarius. Tony's like, "We're right. glad to have him," which. Obviously, that's what you're going to say. You're not going to be like, well, you know, we really wanted Devonta Smith, but we got this bum instead. Like, obviously, you're not going to go in <laughs> that That Gettleman presser was quite something, man. He's getting he's old, he's man. Getting old, man. You yeah, can tell. Like, he was like, oh, yeah, we got a fourth or He a didn't fifth. remember the yeah. trade details, which yeah. was devastating. I mean, you got to yeah. know the trade. He was tapping and tapping and tapping that thing. Tap, 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 tap. You heard the tap of that table. He, just, he had like a tick. He has like a tick with the tapping. You can see it just tapping through every answer. And my man is just getting up there, like senile there, almost. Man. I mean, he's 70. I mean, so he 
Good news is, I mean, they've got a lot of brains working in that room. Obviously, Joe Judge is a big part of this process. Chris Pettit, all the guys. And mm-hmm. Gettleman as well. I mean, he's probably still grinding film in his own way. And he has a pretty good eye for talent, I think, of film. So, But as far as just remembering trade details and, you know, calling Tay Crowder, Tay Crawford, yeah. those types of things, it's it's quite interesting to see. Like, it's 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 odd. You don't. I would say you probably he's the only GM who's getting those kind of details wrong. Oh, 100%. Like, I don't think there's I, a single I mean, other. I don't watch all the pressers of yeah. other general managers, but I, I feel like imagine. a lot of the other general managers are much more like, to the point, and like, yeah, stick yeah, up right. the ass, whereas <laughs> Gettleman like, will try to like relax, and like he'll stumble over his words. He'll say cheese and crackers and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> 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 Which exactly. does crack me up. But I gotta say, Dan, um, Kadarius Tony took me off guard, man. Yeah. I was not expecting that. No, me either. So, I mean, I guess let's start with, before we get into the player, let's start with the pick. They're sitting at 20, and... They pass on Pay twice. They pass on him at 11 with the trade back. They pass on him again at 20, which just leads me to believe he was never really a consideration. It was fake news, fake noise. We told you guys before, and I fell for this too with this dumb petty pay stuff after Benjamin Albright mocked him there. DraftKings <laughs> dropped the odds. And all the you know insiders, the supposed insiders. Were- we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're saying they like pay, they like pay a lot, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? We said it before, Nick, and we didn't follow our own advice. We said whatever you hear in this 36-hour period before the draft, a good portion of it is going to be blatant smoke, blatant BS driven by the team. It's likely, in my opinion, the Giants leaked that on purpose when they thought they might be a chance that they lose out on Devontae Smith. Maybe they leaked that because there was too much hubbub going with Devontae, and they're like, we don't want the Eagles or some other team trading above us to get Devontae. Let's pretend like we're going to take Quiddy Bay. It's a locked-in pick. Ultimately, they didn't take him. They passed him twice. But at 20, I, I would ask you this. With who was left on the board, who would have been your pick at 20 overall when the Giants went Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. 
Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Clock. Mm, I think I'm not opposed to going receiver. And I actually want to touch on something real quick about Devonta Smith. I think Devonta Smith wanted to be a giant. I just do. I don't know. I just saw him like get up. He didn't look all that excited. He's at the Knicks game with the Yankee hat on. He has all this hubbub about the freaking Giants and everything. And then the Eagles jump the Giants to get him. And eh, would you really want to go play for the Eagles? Would you want to go to Philadelphia? I think I got another theory. I think my theory would be Devontae Smith was did really want to play for the Giants. But then during the process, the pre-draft process, he became a listener to the Big Blue Banter podcast. Mm. He heard the way you pronounced his first name gotcha, yeah. over and over, yeah. relentlessly, without fit. Like you were corrected on it multiple mm-hmm. times. You wouldn't change it. Even just now, you said, I heard a vunt. I heard a, a little bit of an unt. You got rid of the Munster cheese sounding vunta, but you did not say the A. You, you did a hard uh. So I think after hearing all that, he felt disrespected. And, and he now actually Could've. flipped back to not wanting to. Well, you know what? We got a first round pick out of it. So. <laughs> yeah. And it ends up working out. Tries, but but, but yeah. Yeah, but who would you have taken if you were on, if you were GM of the Giants at 20? Because I, I know who I would have taken. So for me, I would have actually been fine addressing the edge position there. That's where with my who? that's where my brain would have went. I would have been okay with Quiddy Pay. I would not have like I don't not as low on Quiddy Pay as I feel like the majority of Giant fans are. I don't think the upside is as high, but I do believe there's a lot of workable traits to be developed there. And I do believe Michigan also didn't necessarily maximize his ability to rush the passer because he did play a lot of uh just Football where he wasn't allowed to pin his ears back and just go, but he but you still would have taken him over Peyton Turner. Uh, Peyton Turner, yeah, I probably I, I had Quiddy Pay over someone. Let's like play yeah or nay. Quiddy Pay over at twenty over Peyton Turner, yeah or nay? I probably would have go yeah, yeah. Quiddy Pay at twenty over Gregory Rousseau, yeah or nay? No, nah, well, no, nah, I'd go Pay. Quiddy Pay at twenty over Jason Owa, who also went in the first round. That's yeah the, or nay? That's the one where I think I would rather I would be fine with Jason Owa. Okay, so Quiddy Pay over Aziz Ojolari at 20, yay or nay? It, I have Aziz over Quiddy Pay, but I, there's something going on with the knee there. So you would have got, maybe not though. Maybe not. Because I'm, he's my number on. one target for tomorrow, so I'm hoping not. Because he'd be the perfect pick at 42. And we'll get I to find that a it hard later. to believe that some of these edge rushers ended up going over. He's six two though, man. He's not. I, but he has like 34 and a half inch arms, man. No, but he and that's that's like great though, man. Because you have that natural leverage, being six yeah. foot two, winning the pad level battle. Yet you have the length yeah. of like a six foot six player. Yeah, he's intriguing. I like. He's my number one target for tomorrow. We'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So you would at 20, you would have went basically either. Ojolari, maybe Oa, or Pei. One of those three is who you would have gone. I think so. I mean, I don't hate the Kadarius Tony pick either. I'm not saying that if you're going to go receiver, I would have been okay with him. I would have been okay with uh, Elijah Moore. I would have been okay with Rashad Bateman. I mean, I had those two receivers over someone like Kadarius Tony, but I do acknowledge the fact that Kadarius Tony does have a different skill set than yes. both of those guys. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's interesting because first glance, my. Top choice would have been Elijah Moore. My mm-hmm. second choice would have been Rashad Bateman. But a few things that I've thought about since the pick's been made, since I talked to you about it, hearing you said, one, as far as just the receivers go, I want to make this clear. My evaluations on these receivers are not going to be as strong, as solid as the Giants are. The Giants know exactly what they want from a receiver right now within this offense. The Giants have more film to work with than I do. (laughs) Much more film to work with than me and Nick have. Much more. They have scouts who've been doing this for years, who've been trained better than either of us, and Nick's been trained pretty well on this. Doesn't matter. So what we see is one thing. What they see is another. Also, 
the draft is a crapshoot. So why have ranked high doesn't matter. The Giants, like, none of the, it's, it's all, it's not to say it's random, but there's a lot of variables in play. But then thirdly, like Nick said, Kadarius Tony brings a very different element than Elijah Moore brings. They may be the similar size, but they play a completely different style of game. And in addition to that, Bateman, who I think is the smoothest route runner in the class, he probably, I go back and forth on Elijah Moore, Bateman. I think ultimately push comes to shove. If I really hunkered down and thought about it and had time, I would actually pick Bateman over Moore just based on the fact that I think Bateman can play both inside and outside immediately based on his size. And he's not even that big, but he plays bigger and he's so smooth in and out of those breaks. I just, I think that's so translatable. Um, But having said that, that doesn't mean it's right. And then as far as the other thing you said, which is the edges, I you I know, I've gone over this plenty of times. We've talked about this. I didn't have a first round grade on any of these edges. I think all of them would have been reaches in round one personally. The only one I think has any major upside is Jason Oa, Jalen Phillips, and Peyton Turner. Those are the only ones I watch on tape, and I'm like, these guys have the trait that I look for that could turn into an elite pass rusher. And if I'm taking edge, I want pass rushing. I don't want set the edge. I can get set the edge later in the draft, and set the edge only does so much for you. I need pass rushing skills that translate. So, But having said that, like you said, as we look to day two, that's the interesting thing, because if you had gotten your wish and you take one of those edges, they're set up so much better for day two because Elijah Moore's still on the board. Terrace Marshall's still on the board. Um, uh, Diami Brown's still on the board there's actually more receivers than that but those are the big three who are all still on the board right now and could have been taken by the Giants Rondell Moore who to me ultimately might be a better version of Kadarius Tony. time will tell on that one but we'll see but those are the big four for me at least who are still on the board and then you flip it to the other side the edges they have Ojolari left but outside Ojolari man it is not it is slim pickings right now for me on the edge. I am not a big fan of Joseph Asai. I am not a big fan of the kid from uh, Oklahoma. What's his name? Ronnie Perkins. So ultimately, I wonder if just value-based, your route would have been better overall. See, and I'm wondering if I'm thinking of that now that I'm aware of what ended mm-hmm. up happening in the draft because I tweeted about this too, and it's it's true, man. Like Those last couple picks in the draft, we weren't really paying attention to it. It was like, oh, yeah, the first round, round down. Three edges, man. Ugh. That's devastating. And Peyton Turner, my boy. And Peyton, I wanted Peyton at forty-two so Peyton, bad. Peyton Turner, uh, Jason Owa. I, I wanted Owa la- too. Four of the last five: Gregory Rousseau uh, and Joe Tryon. And the Ravens got Owa too. Like, oh, you know he's going to work. That's the same system yeah. the Giants are running, basically. It's not the same exact yeah, system. Yeah, it's, it's a similar system that they That means the Giants would have probably liked Owa too at forty-two. Like, you're just going to fire him off that edge, and he's going to be so explosive. Yeah. And honestly, uh, I was wondering if Jalen Phillips fell to the Giants at 20, ooh. if we would have went in that direction. I would have loved that. It's, I wonder if the I, – I feel like the Giants were set on going offensive uh, playmaker. I think you might be right. In the first round. I, I think you might be right. I, I, th- yeah. I think they wanted a really explosive playmaker. Weapon. Uh, yeah. Weapon, yeah. So that, that's why I think Jalen Waddle was like their number one guy. Probably, yeah. And then they see Kadarius Toney and – uh, he's another very explosive playmaker. You could do so many different creative things with. I hope Jason Garrett is right now, as we record this, drawing <laughs> up plays for Kadarius Tony. Because the way Florida and Dan Mullen used him was really, really exciting, man. Sure. So they used him as a running back. They used him so many times in pre-snap motion to just get the defense to shift. So many times they used him as a decoy to allow Kyle Pitts, who they defense should not right. be neglecting to acknowledge to, to do some funky stuff aka Trayvon kenny Grimes. galladay evan ingram yeah. zaquan barkley yeah and i, I mean this doesn't uh it, it's interesting though man because you got this guy for possibly five years now and which maybe before right. we get into Kadarius tony what does this say about 
some of the well i have a lot of stuff on that so we can start yeah. there i was going to say who does this pick hurt more in your mind sterling shepherd or darius lee and let's start by just saying for the 2021 season not moving forward because i think obviously moving forward you can just look at the contracts and say it's Sterling Shepard. But for the 2021 season, who do you think this hurts more, Darius Slayton or Sterling Shepard? Because they could ultimately kick Shepard back to the outside. They might. And, I mean, I think if they want to get Kadarius Tony on the field, you have to put him in the slot. He has yes. to be off the line of scrimmage. He's not somebody who's going to be tasked to beat press and beat jam and stuff like that. Not he, year one. No, no. He, that, he's very, very raw. In that. Mm-hmm. Like, he's very, very raw. You don't see a lot of it on his film. It's going to be, could be a problem at the next level, but he lined up in the slot over 86% of the time in 2020, over 88% of the time in 2019. So he's been relegated to the slot. He's the perfect, like, number three receiver in a three by one set, like yes. we talked about with Jalen Waddle, who can just stretch the seam vertically, stretch the defense horizontally, and you could do a lot of different things with it. But I think the Giants are going to want to get Sterling Shepard on the field because Sterling Shepard's incredibly talented. So it might end up hurting Darius Slayton more, and they're just going to kick Sterling Shepard outside. Yeah, I think I think ultimately at first he'll be used a little bit more sparingly maybe. I think Tony, so. Yeah, I, like 20 yeah. 30% of the snaps. Just like you said, they'll mix and match with Sterling Shepard and Slayton in the outside. But then you also factor in the fact that What's his role going to be in year one when you consider, like, okay, we can talk about who's going to hurt more, Slayton or Shepard. I think that's kind of up in the air still because it kind of depends what version of Slayton we get. If you get the 2019 version of Slayton, Shepard's probably getting hurt. If you get the 2020 version of Slayton, Slayton's probably losing the snaps. Also, can Shepard stay on the field? He hasn't really done a great job of that. Can Mm -hmm. Slayton stay on the field? Because he, you know, played most of last season, but he was injured for for a good portion, and he wasn't looking the same. So those factored in. But as far as early on, like, regarding Tony's role, like how are we going to get snaps for him? Like you said, it's only going to be in the slot or in the backfield. There could be, hopefully they get some creative snaps where they have like Tony and Barkley in the backfield or they start with Tony and Barkley in the backfield, one motions out to the slot and then you have the other stay in the backfield. Then you do some jet sweep motion and some fake jet sweep motion with with, with Tony coming out of the slot. And you have Daniel Jones athleticism. Like literally, if Jason Garrett wants to get creative here, there are are a lot of different things yes. he could do. Like he this can generate offense with misdirection using Jones, Barkley, and Tony. Just their speed alone and playmaking ability in space, including Jones. Yeah, Jones. Include him in that because he proved it last year before the injury. He is a playmaker with the ball in his hands as a runner. You use all three of those guys correctly. You use enough misdirection and pre-snap motion. You can develop a really strong running game from that, I think. Oh, yes. A hundred percent, man. And, and that's something that I'm really looking forward to. I hope Jason Garrett does that. And that's not even mentioning the prototypical x receiver that we have the prototypical y tight end that we finally have i don't even know what evan ingram is going to do in this offense and we also know and this is where it gets a little tricky we know the giants are going to want to run 12 personnel that's what i was going to say yeah we know that's going to happen that's going to limit his role in year one in my mind yeah yeah no it definitely will i think they're going to be really uh i think every play is going to have a different skill set out there as long as these guys are are healthy you're going to be cycling them in and out and they do have now a lot of good depth I know. You got to feel for John Ross. Like, how is he going to get on the field now? He signed that one-year deal probably thinking he had opportunity with the Giants, and he's got speed. And like you said, he's a little more – he's a little underrated traits-wise still, like from the tape you're watching – but how's he going to get on the field now? Just catch the football, John Ross. Yeah. I didn't realize how bad the drops were until I dove into his yeah, film. Yeah, and I was like, oh, wow, they're like horrendously bad. But I would love to get him on the field just uh, as that number three receiver sometimes, man. You can do a lot of very fun things with, with these offensive weapons. Yes. And I think it, they made it a priority to add somebody who is a game-breaking type of electrifying with the football in his hands type of player. Somebody who has that kind of burst and explosiveness, a home yeah. run hitter like a Kadarius Tony. And I, 
they got him at pick 20 with a trade down. So it wasn't Jalen Waddle, but this this player should still have a effective role, hopefully more than what we expect in year one. Yeah, and so speaking of, let's break down the pick. Kadarius Toney, new Giants receiver out of Florida. So what? let's start with you, Nick. Where... What are your favorite takeaways from him? Talk about some of your strengths when you're watching Tony on film. Talk about some of your concerns when you're watching Tony on film. And then I'll get into some of the stuff I duck up on him because I actually broke down his tape a little bit as well and did a draft profile for him on CBS Sports, which, by the way, shameless plug, you can find that on CBS Sports by typing in Kadarius Tony draft profile or just on my Twitter because I tweeted it out. Yeah, so I'll start with, I guess, the negatives. Like I've already mentioned a little bit on the podcast, release off the line of scrimmage versus jam uh, and press alignments is relatively raw. We haven't seen much of it quite yet. I would say sometimes, I think he's very, very fluid in space. His hips, he can bend, he can do all those things. But sometimes when he's running routes, it does end up looking a little awkward in and out of some breaks. Just uh, It's just something I've noticed when I was downloading a bunch of videos <laughs> of him right after the draft. I, he, I think only has three drops, so he's pretty sure-handed. He can go up and make contested catches, but he's barely five foot ten, so he's not going to be jumping over the top of people and making those type of uh, Kenny Galladay type of catches over the top of cornerbacks. He has good hands. He, he, I wouldn't say he's a body catcher. I think he he plucks away from his frame and he catches some really really hard balls, makes some acrobatic catches, not like Odell Beckham type of stuff, but he's definitely effective in that area. But uh, it's a lot of it is when he gets the football in his hands, what he can do. The guy's that small because he has like a lean muscle, right? Like he's not like frail, mm-hmm. but he has lean muscle. He's got lean muscle, yes. He they don't typically have the kind of contact balance and physicality that Kadarius Tony possesses. Kadarius Tony, he's like a pinball out there, man. He's hard to bring down. He runs through tackles and he's incredibly, incredibly slippery. Yeah, he makes people miss very, very easily. He's very, very. Uh, you, you could tell defenders who aren't the best at tackling, which he, this happens in the NFL as well. Yes. They fly in aggressively. They're going to miss. Mm-hmm. Like He's very, very good at making them miss. He rarely goes down on first contact. And his pad level is so low. Yep. He runs so low to the ground. Yep. So you combine the pad level being low with the contact balance, and you got a pretty damn strong player right there who's going to pick up yards after the catch with his elusiveness and his ability to break through those arm tackles. I really love what he could do with the ball in his hands. And he's going to be he's a little raw as a route runner like I said. Uh, he has all the athletic traits that you want. Uh going in in and out of breaks. Yeah, sometimes it looks sloppy, but he can sink his hips like that dude. He can get in and out. He has all the agility, the acceleration is through the roof, the explosiveness and the burst is really really good as well. He's a very very exciting type of player. And uh and I, I believe he can his potential is just it hasn't even been close to reached yet man i mean not this guy, at all this guy's a wide receiver for one year he was a quarterback in high school yeah he actually talked about how he has now had three and a half years just starting with the receiver position so mm-hmm. i think he, that that those weren't all full-time receiver position no obviously. yeah yeah 2020 was just learning full-time. it from scratch because yeah. he came in as a quarterback obviously played quarterback in high school and he talked about how his days playing quarterback and we've heard this before and we've seen this before with players like julian edelman who by the way was an amazing slot receiver and converted in the nfl to becoming an amazing slot receiver which is ultimately what tony will be in my mind i don't see him in my mind as an outside receiver it's possible but when you look at just how bad the scores were i mean like you talked about it before matt Harmon of um reception perception yahoo sports who does charting on all these guys charted every single snap of his and 
had him as in the first percentile of success rate against press coverage. That's as low as it gets. And then he had him in the 13th percentile success rate against man coverage. So not press, but any kind of man coverage. But of course, you factor that in with the fact that he only had, you know, 500 ta- 10 snaps over the last three years. Not all those at Florida, not all of those were at receiver. He's still learning the position. He hasn't gotten many opportunities to really beat press coverage or beat man coverage. Things he can still prove to do, like at the next level. And also, if he's in the slot, which is ultimately, in my opinion, where he should be with the Giants over the course of his career, however long that may be, he's going to face a lot more zone coverage. You know, that's just how it goes in the slot. That's how Cooper Cup has made a career for himself in the mm-hmm. NFL because Cooper Cup's not going to beat man coverage on the outside, but he can beat zone. And so if he gets crafty enough, Tony, he can end up being somebody in my mind who can consistently beat zone coverage or whatever coverage he sees in the slot he can be just that uncoverable slot type receiver and i've saw that too on his film to be honest yeah. there are times where he runs a route and he sits and the, the covering defenders right on top of him and then starts and goes and then he just starts yep. stops shimmies you can see him move his hips and his body to kind of throw yep. off the uh the cornerback and then he creates space i mean he's he has the ability in that area i just hope he, he needs to develop a more diverse release package if he wants to be more than a slot receiver yeah there's no doubt about it i think it's funny that I wrote this draft profile a month ago on Tony or whatever it was, and I had my NFL comp for him was Alvin Kamara, a running back. He's not a running back, Tony. He's a slot receiver or whatever we're going to have in that receiver outside. Because the Giants actually said, I want to make a point of this, because Chris Pettit said in the post-draft presser that he actually thinks that he has flex play. He thinks he, okay. for them, he's a flex play. They think he can play outside and inside. So, you know what? Maybe the traits they see, they think he can translate to ultimately beating man coverage more than 13%, you know, 13% among receivers or beating press coverage more than in the first percentile. And maybe the traits show that he can. Yeah, I'm not as worried about the beating the man coverage. I think the nuances of running routes will, will come with time. Sure. It's the beating the press might be a little bit more difficult, but you could align them outside and put them in a stack, put mm-hmm. them off the line of scrimmage, have Kenny Galladay run into the first defender and then him just come underneath. Hopefully Galladay you can get fly, that straight to Jason slant. Garrett because we didn't see enough of that at all in 2020 watching the film. There was not enough stacked. No. release and, and free releases for the receivers but well, i do want to get to one thing so i had in my comp was Kamara, and it's funny because i hear him today talking to giants and he's like i can bear myself to alvin Kamara." that's so funny dude and he also thinks like he it can be a running back he feels like and they used him at times as a running back oh absolutely but really what it comes down to is it has nothing to do with the position he plays it's what you said in your strength profile it's the same strength i saw immediately it's the number one strength it's literally that ability to run so low to the ground and make and the contact balance that's that's what makes Alvin Kamara so elite. Like ask literally any NFL Italian evaluator, they'll be like, why is Alvin Kamara one of the best running backs in the NFL? He doesn't really have the best breakaway speed. He doesn't really have the best vision in my mind as a running back. He's not super powerful or big or anything like that. But his contact balance is out of control. Like you said, if you're not a good form tackler in the NFL or college level, which we know there's plenty of them playing at both levels. Remember those old giant safeties? Like, who do they have back there? Who is that one idiot who they had back there? It was just unbelievably bad that one season. I'm trying to remember these old safeties. I mean, I remember Darian Thompson was awful at this, but there was some even worse deep half safeties at tackling over the years. Whatever. The point is, if you have bad form tacklers at any level, any all three levels, He's going to make you pay because he runs so low, like you said. His contact balance is elite. He's slippery. He doesn't go down on first contact. It's crazy. Like, the one route that I'm sure everyone's seen on Twitter, the one where he first makes that route out of a slot where he freezes a slot defender, cuts back inside, catches, and then takes it to the house. He breaks up field, and, like, four defenders are converging on him, and somehow none of them tackle him. 
he somehow finds a way to go all the way through all of them for the touchdown because they can't he's so slippery they can't bring him down and it's just crazy to watch he has a lot of uh film that, that have plays those highlight plays like yeah. that or like where he toe taps right up the sideline <laughs> to get into the end zone it, it it's definitely exciting man it was definitely called off guard but it's certainly exciting yeah, no doubt about it. Some other stats of note that I wanted to get your take on here when it comes to Kadarius Tony. The number one stat, and this is the one that I put on Twitter because it's just so unbelievable. He forced 32 missed tackles on just 80 receptions over the past two years. That's insane. That's we're talking about almost one forced, almost a forced. Uh, I'm sorry, a forced tack, missed tackle for every two receptions. That's crazy stuff. Like that should not be coming anywhere close to happening. He had 784 receiving yards in the slot last year, six most in uh, in college football, 20 forced missed tackles in 2020 alone. He had, like you said before, his hands are actually a strength of his game, even though he does have really small catch radius with the fact that he only has 31 and two foot, uh, 31.25 inch arms, which is 31st percentile. I don't like that. 9.25 inch hands, 48th percentile. Both not great, but it doesn't seem to matter because he doesn't drop passes. He only had three drop passes on 123 catchable passes, according to Pro Football Focus, in his whole career at Florida. That's a guy who's not going to drop passes. So that's all good. Total stats in 2020, he had 70 receptions, 984 yards, 10 receiving touchdowns, added a buck 61 on the ground. He did well against top 25 competition in 2020, which you like to see. Had three games against the top 25, and he had 22 receptions, 287 yards receiving, three touchdowns against the top 25. That doesn't even dive into any of the stuff he does on special teams, which the Giants are also excited about. So really, there's a lot to like when it comes to Kadarius Toney. As far as the upside goes, the ceiling goes, goes, um, he's an elite leaper, for example, almost a 40-inch vertical, 90th percentile, 136-inch broad jump, 99th percentile. You obviously see the explosion in his game. Like yeah. That's that's that you can see it testing but it doesn't matter you see it on the film i don't see the uh breakaway speed that he doesn't have acceleration there was a play uh, it might have been against Ole miss where it was a phenomenal play he got tracked down though yep and you're like ah you you want to see him break away there but but it just he has more burst than breakaway speed yeah much more much more burst and short area quickness yes he has a lot of that uh backyard football to him kind Mm -hmm. of where like i remember when i used to play backyard football i got the football in my hands and it'd be like you know five dudes around me and i just start jumps jump hopping all around trying to make people miss and stuff like that like an idiot like, <laughs> I, I feel like he, he was doing that like in the nfl it's not you're not going to get away with that as easily no not at all i mean what do you say to people who tell you this is just another Tavon austin because i don't see that what do you say to that just another Tavon austin yeah i would just ask uh, another gadget type player oh just another gadget type right. player i mean he was a gadget type player but i think he showed enough in 2020 as a receiver in the slot that, that says, hey, this could be a full-time slot receiver. I think he showed enough of that. Okay, what do you say to my biggest concern then, Nick? I'll put you on the spot. My biggest concern is can Jason Garrett figure out how to maximize Tony? I have no idea. <laughs> that's that's the big question, right? Because I without, have no faith in Jason Garrett. Even without Kadarius Tony, could he have found a way to maximize John Ross, Kenny Galladay? I think he could have found a way to maximize Devontae Smith, for example. You know what I mean? I don't think you really need to do too much there. You can line him up on the outside. He can win really quickly with those releases, and Dan Jones can get him the ball. But with more of a gadget-type player like Tony, my question for you is, is Jason Garrett the guy to get him going? 
No, I mean he hasn't he hasn't shown anything uh, that suggests that he is at All least right. not with the Giants. In 2020. <laughs> that doesn't mean he can't change though. Yeah, I know. And that doesn't mean that having all these other offensive coaches. We were so positive no. until that point, Nick. We were things were going well, so well. well. That's the thing. I'm not saying that it's not going to happen, but no, I'm not going to just blindly say that it will. He hasn't. Thank shown you that. for not blindly saying it will. I think some <laughs> Giants fans want you to blindly say it will. We're never going to do that on here. Though. But what I will say is, you spent a first round pick on him. Joe Judge is going to be. Like, we need to find yes. this. Like I've, I've been on sidelines before and like like it's like you need to find this guy touches yes and i think that joe judge did that with evan ingram earlier in the season you need to find this guy touches all right well i'm gonna run my y stick option and we're gonna get touches to over there that's not the way to get evan ingram touches though (laughs) exactly you don't want him turning around making 90 degree cuts get evan ingram learn it learn this jason look at the freaking film that Shermer ran freaking ingram was running crossers all day that's what he's best at give him a crosser let him catch the ball and let him turn up field. Let him or, fall. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> let him run freaking vertical and take a safety out of the play. Do something, man. Don't have him run those stick girls. All right, enough of that. Jason Garrett, improve your ways. We're giving you another shot, buddy. You have everything to work with here. Galladay. Tony, what else do you want? Barkley. You dude, got it all, just... Jason. Figure it out, my man. But back to the pick. Here's my next thing. What do we make of the off-field stuff? Because one... That was supposed to be the reason the Giants were interested in Parsons. Two, they already had a bad, bad situation when they took DeAndre Baker, when they traded up for DeAndre Baker. 2019 first-round picks can't be off the roster right now. It's devastating. But this guy, his background comes to this. He uh, had an issue uh, with police where he pointed an airsoft gun at police or something like that and he then they found a rifle that was apparently not illegal it was a legal rifle in his car but he has a rifle whatever it's the south i think, it was, rifle. I think it was loaded too that a was loaded loaded legal rifle but it's the yeah. south everybody loves their guns i get it we just had crocker on the podcast and he's <laughs> yeah. like i love it down here in arkansas you can buy guns and i'm <laughs> yeah. like all right man a cali guy from a guy from cali loving arkansas because he can buy guns so whatever it's the south you like guns i don't want to i don't care if he owns a gun The Giants have said that they have done the homework, they like him, but at the same time, if you dig deeper in those post-draft pressers, you see that Pettit said, we met with him once at the Senior Bowl, it was really late at night, everyone was tired, everyone was groggy, we liked that he brought energy to our conversation. They asked him, okay, then what else? Did what else? He's like, no, that was the only meeting we had with him. So they're like, what do you base this on then? They're like, oh, we have our scouts down there, and they did some Zoom meetings with him during the season. So like, to be honest with you, and this is not just the Giants, it's all 32 teams, they're not really working with too much here. They're talking about Zoom meetings and one total meeting with a player. So like, yeah, they feel confident in his character, and I hope they're right. And Joe Judge said it. He's like, you guys know me well enough to know anybody I'm bringing into this building, I really, you know, I feel comfortable about their character. And that's all fair and well, but I'm sure they felt comfortable about DeAndre Baker's character too. And then he goes on to have be, fall asleep in meetings in his rookie season, take no time to learn James Betcher's system, be completely lost the entire time. You know what I mean? So ultimately, how they feel now might be different, but are you concerned at all about the off-field stuff? Because one thing that I will say, one quote is, here it is from Judge, it's no secret I'm particularly, I'm pretty particular about who I bring into this building. Sometimes you have to understand the person and the character on a deeper level than what might be tweeted out. So there must have been some bad tweets going around with Tony. I don't know. How do you feel about all this? I mean, I don't love it, but they also have a uh, coach on staff. I believe that recruited Kadarius Tony when he was coming out of Mobile, Alabama. 
And speaking of Mobile, Alabama, isn't it just so funny how the Giants love getting these guys from the Reese's Senior Bowl? Like, they get such impressions out of these guys. They love, they love the, the Reese's Senior Bowl. Bowl. Because, again, you get to see him against the top seniors, I guess, the ones who don't opt and out was, of the Senior And Bowl. he was good down there, too. Oh, yeah. He was. He opened yeah. some eyes down there. Uh, he absolutely did. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely a little bit concerned. But they said they vetted him. They said they, uh, they have coaches who do know him. But I mean, it's you. You want to make sure everybody who comes onto the team that you follow isn't going to end up like players that <laughs> have already vacated the team because of really poor decision making, like DeAndre Baker. But the, I don't really, I can't, I don't just don't have any insight in on it because I don't really know much about it. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm going to defer to them again here. You're again, we talked about them. the Baker pick, but it was a different staff. It was James Betcher. It was Pat Shermer. Obviously, not the most well-regarded staff by us or Giants fans, I guess. But, you know, we're taking a stand on it and saying we have a lot more faith in Joe Judge as a character builder, as a stat, you know, overall this entire staff than kind of what they were seeing. And obviously the Baker thing was a bit of bad luck, but not fully because the guy was sleeping in meetings. He had problems at Georgia. The coaching staff at Georgia didn't like him. And so it's not really just like a random bad luck. It was kind of just to a bad risk really i'm wondering uh how much joe judge knows dan mullen because he was the right. head coach of dan mullen is the head coach of the florida gators obviously right. the coach of Kadarius tony and he was the head coach of mississippi state tw- mm. 2009 to 2017 and joe judge that's his alma mater yes i wonder if there's a personal relationship there i'm sure a lot of coaches that are on the giant staff a lot of them come from college they probably know dan mullen personally as well they probably asked mm. about Kadarius and his work habits and all that stuff at least that's what a hopeful mind i think would that want. makes a lot of sense yeah that's a good call and just a few other things when it comes to Tony, I want to say, I think I talk a lot about when you're drafting players, you want to look for them to have one or two or hopefully more, but as many elite traits as possible. Mm-hmm. Because you can get these That's guys like the AJ Epinesas who do pretty well against college competition. You, uh, you love railing against AJ. Nah, he might actually be a decent player ultimately. Let's think of somebody who's like even better example of that. They're like like Erasmus James going back in time. I'm trying to think of like, no, but he played Wisconsin and I knew he wasn't going to make yeah. it in the NFL. These guys who are good college players, but you don't really see what they're winning with and you don't really see a trait that you think can win against actual NFL competition because it's a big jump. It's going to be a huge jump. I don't care that you played in the SEC. That's nice. It's very good. It's better than playing in the ACC. It's better than playing in a smaller conference, but the jump in talent level, mm-hmm. the worst NFL player is the best player you've ever faced in college. So yeah, yeah. you want to see elite traits and I think as far as that goes, Contact balance, I don't know if I think a single receiver in this class, on quite honestly, maybe not a single running back in this class. I don't think a single skill position player in this class has better contact balance than Kadaris Tony. There's probably running backs that... Uh, maybe some backs that I haven't mind. studied. Yeah. That's fine, that I yeah. haven't do- dove deep in. I have not dove that deep in the class. But for receivers, I don't know if there is one. And then as far as just that burst in space and that stop and start ability... Stop and start, there's a few guys who can probably compare, but that burst in space, man, it, it's elite. And either way, even if it is comparable to great players and prospects in this class, I'm still going to say that he has three really strong traits that translate to the next level. Contact balance, burst in space, and stop and start ability. And that gets me excited. Absolutely. And I think there is a lot to be excited about, but I also think there are red flags with this. Obviously, everything we just talked about, and then there's also injuries that he's dealt with in his past that could rear their ugly head i mean we are giants fans we follow this team we we do realize what injuries can do to certain position groups so that would also be something that's really unfortunate and you have to uh take that into account for sure yeah and that's another thing that we just have to kind of guess on i guess it's not really anything we can speculate on at this moment or in time and there's 
Obviously, a lot of luck in my mind that goes in injuries. I know he had a shoulder injury and he missed some time in 2019 because of it. Shoulder injuries feels a lot better than the lower body stuff. When they start to pile up those lower body ones, that's when I get concerned. That's about it. Everything else I consider mostly luck and, you know, just not. Like, remember, Evan Ingram was supposed to be injured this year. We all we all heard he's a guarantee to get injured. He played the full season. I think, so. we, I think we wish he was injured. Then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about how I'm railing on AJ Epinesa. You nonstop railing on Evan Ingram. <laughs> Non-stop Evan Ingram, really. Great guy. No, he really is. No, he's a great guy. It's just... I met him. He is a nice guy. Just I've not a good too. football player, but a nice guy. Yeah. For no. sure. And a great athlete. Um, hopefully he can be good this year, though, because it looks like he's going to be on the roster. All right, let's wrap up there with the first round pick, and let's quickly, briefly talk about some day two targets for us. So I'm going to start us off here. I got two targets that stand out most to me. The first one is your boy, Aziz Ojolari. Talk about it. I would love to throw Aziz Ojolari into the mix. Put him on the edge. You can start him off just in passing downs. Have him use that dip and rip move off the edge. Get those freaking uh, tackles that are not that good in space. Sounded like you said tacos there. (laughs) It's 3.30 a.m. and I'm thinking about tacos. I'm always thinking about tacos, man. Tonight, let me say something. For tonight, me and Nick had a little draft party. We watched the draft together. I was working. I was you know busy as hell but there were some bad food consumed by nicholas filato this is a man yes man that many pizza so first look at this guy defending that i said this it's draft night i wanted pizza we were talking what are we going to order went to this this italian place uh romanelli's and i was like you know what i want pizza i'm in the mood for pizza i ordered a well done large bacon pie nick did not have a slice but he at least did have some boneless buffalo wings, which they were great. are not good for you and are unbelievably tasty. And so good for you for stepping you. your game up. You. Now, he did complement that with a side order. He had to order because he couldn't get it on the pizza. He had, a, I think, a chicken salad wrap on whole wheat with a, with a low-carb. I think it was a fake car, no-carb wrap or something. He asked them specifically. They said, we don't make it. He That's said, bullshit. can I go out and buy it for you from the, st- from the grocery store? Bring it to you. You'll wrap it in this, in this non-carb bread. But... Besides that, he did have those boneless wings, but, you know, it's draft night, so I'm, I'm still thinking about food, though, but as far as tomorrow goes, Aziz Ojolari, get that boy in the mix. He's my number one mm. target. I don't, if the knee thing is bad, whatever, we'll find out about it. He'll be on the board at 42. The Giants won't pick him, and he'll be like that dude from Oregon, Tyrell Crosby, who I wanted the Giants to take in, like, the second or third round. He kept falling. Then he was in the third round. Then he was in the fourth round. Then he finally went in the fifth round, and everyone after the draft was like, yeah, they were just, like, ma- massive medical concerns, so nobody wanted him. And, like, that could happen to Aziz, but as far as I know, that could be bullshit. So he's my number one target, and then I have a clear tier to, uh, second target, and then it's a teardrop for me. My second target is Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. We did a draft profile on him. I think he'd be a weapon on this defense. You put him at the second level. I think you put him on the edge sometimes. I think you can put him in the middle sometimes. You can line him up in weird spots, like the safety position, if you really want him to for specific sets and downs. You just give a freak athlete defensive star out there for Patrick Graham to work with, one of the best players I saw when I watched. And you, The fact of the matter is, if you watch college football, you're going to be stuck watching a decent amount of Notre Dame because they just jam Notre Dame down your throat. <laughs> you know, they're put in, They give him their cakewalk schedule year after year. They force him into that college football playoff. Never deserve. They always look pathetic in the college football playoff. I really hope we don't have any Notre Dame fans. One of the biggest fan bases yeah. in all of sports. But they, sure I think nobody. even they know that, they don't, that they're bogus like college football playoff team. Year after year. I, I like Notre Dame to be. Oh, honest. they looked really good in the college fan. playoffs this year. No, they absolutely. really deserved it. No, but absolutely. he looked good. Awusagarmo stands out every time. 
And then I'll put a third one on there. The Giants aren't going to take him because they're not going to take a freaking tackle for whatever reason. But I don't care. Tevin Jenkins. Put him on the roster. You can put him at guard at first. And then if Parrot fails, you put him at tackle. Tevin Jenkins. So I'm going to round out my top three. Clear-cut top three. Give me any of those three, and I'm happy at 42. But I got a couple other names, but let me hear your guys. Yeah, so my top three would actually be Aziz, number one. So we share that. My number two would be Creed Humphrey. He's an absolute technician who is strong at the point of attack. Great hands. Incredibly smart. Plays center for the Oklahoma Sooners. But... I think he probably could transition to guard, but at the worst, he could just man the center, be an upgrade over Nick Gates, and then Nick Gates could transition to guard. So I think there's just versatility there with adding someone like Creed Humphrey. And honestly, and this is where it gets tricky for Mm -hmm. me, I think I'm going to go with Jock, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, but I would not be opposed to Tevin Jenkins or Landon Dickerson, but those injury concerns Mm -hmm. with Landon Dickerson are incredibly problematic because it dates back to his time at Florida State, but man... You watch his 2020 Alabama film before he tore his ACL against Florida, and he is so good. Could you imagine him playing left guard for the Giants? He is really good on film, and yeah, the injuries are one thing, even though he was doing those cartwheels at Mac Jones' pro day. Mm-hmm. Like, only like six months of root from the ACL, so he must be like, that could be a sign of him being a freak guy, or it could be like, eventually his body's just going to break down, because there's not just the ACL. He's had multiple yeah. injuries, so... That's one thing to keep in mind there. That's a little bit of red flag, but you could probably say, I guess, the same for Aziz, but I don't know. He's number five on my list, Creed's four. I'd also be really happy. I know they don't need him, but I'd be happy with Azante Samuel Jr. Mm-hmm. out of Florida State because that's a see him. That's a see him, watch him, know him kind of player. When I watched him, I saw it immediately. And especially in Patrick Graham's system, which is probably going to still use a decent amount of zone, he's going to be even better in his own system because he has great eyes. And I could see so him good. being a playmaker in the zone system, like a guy who gets his hands on a lot of footballs for PBUs, for potential interceptions. I don't care that they don't need him. He's up there for me. Then it gets a little bit kind of like draggy for me not draggy but i see some more of a teardrop into the guys like pat fryermuth who i'd be happy with but i'm not thrilled about him i don't love him value wise there jabril cox intrigues me throw some kind of athleticism at linebacker liam eichenberg the guard slash tackle from notre dame you got quinn miners from wisconsin whitewater i love his story i was watching a little clip of him working out at his home like he's on some kind of like farm or something it was a crazy video i saw it on nfl network it got my attention though he had like this he came up with this like makeshift workout on his on his farm or his woods he's in a cabin i don't even know i got I gotta find more details on this Quinn miners workout but he's up there and then there's even you know like at value i don't hate elijah Moore, but they can't i, I don't think they can go receiver again they just don't know nah, the, the room for it yeah not at this pick like if they take josh palmer on day three i'm still gonna be thrilled or, a, a, uh, you know, Smith-Marset, Amir Smith-Marset, but probably not right now at 42. Who else do you have your eye on, I guess, for this 42nd pick? And then we'll go into that next pick at 76 or 74. I'm losing my mind. Yeah, that 42nd pick, I mean, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd be in love with this, but I think we have to start talking about some of these edge guys that we might not value right. as high at 42. But now, since all these other edge guys are gone in the first round, the Giants may have to really prioritize it. So you're looking at Oklahoma's Ronnie Perkins, somebody who had 98 tackles. 32 for a loss, 16 and a half sacks through his three years, I believe it was, at Oklahoma. Look, I, I feel like he's more of a just, yeah, I'm going to pin my ears back and go, not as 
not as uh, capable of dropping into space. Although, like, I don't believe he's overly heavy or anything like that. I love the violence that he has in his hands. I don't believe he really has a pass rush plan quite yet. Doesn't get to his counters as quickly as you want. It's like first move. Oh no, I'm stopped. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I just kind of try to shimmy to this to get a half man relationship, and it doesn't work. But he's intriguing. But it's not overly sexy. Then there's Texas's Joseph Asai. I think he could be considered at 42. The thing I like about Asai. I believe he's a little bit more of a linear athlete. And what I mean by that is in pursuit, running straight away, excellent burst, short area quickness and explosiveness. But turning, isn't he's not as capable in those uh, really, really tight quarters with his turning. I don't believe he bends that well up the pass rushing arc. But he is a really good athlete. And I love his competitive toughness. And I love the fact that he is really raw at the edge position. So there's still a lot of upside to grow. And he could probably learn a lot more pass rushing moves because he played... Uh, as an off-ball linebacker for most of his time at Texas until 2020. So I think those are two names. And Boogie Basham, too. He's like a 270-pounder, more of a defensive lineman than than uh, or a 4-3 four, three, end yeah. than a uh, than a 3-4. And, and I could see like people making that same argument for Quiddy Pay, but I believe Quiddy Pay is just a far superior athlete to someone like Boogie Basham. Yeah, and I don't think Quiddy Pay is that long either. At least Boogie's no, a little bit, no, yeah. little bit longer, yeah. but not even too much. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, as far as the edge position goes, I'm probably out on the mall except for Aziz. And I think for the Giants' sake, like it wasn't a great first round from that standpoint like even a player who I really like like Zayvon Collins like I would have preferred Zayvon Collins to Quiddy Pay personally I watched Zayvon I think he's a different style mm-hmm. athlete he went off the board like somebody fell in love with him the Cardinals and he went off the board and then you had guys like Oa who we were hoping go off the board even Peyton Turner goes off the board so I'm almost at the point where I don't want to force edge and I'm just not really looking I mean I, I hope they have like medicals checked off on Aziz like imagine they just get Aziz at 42 and they like it and they feel good about it and like that's then they don't have to worry about the rest of the draft I don't think honestly I think my ideal day two and I'm going to ask you yours of this yeah. Would be Aziz at 42, which I don't expect to happen. Okay. And then a Quinn Miners, Kendrick Green, yeah. Wyatt Davis, someone like that. A guard, Banks, Cleveland, one of those two guys in a round three. That would be That's like a that time. would be like a you guys would tune into this podcast and it would just be, you know, it's a lot of happiness going around. A lot of happiness. Almost as much happiness as Nick when he found out that the yes, Game of Thrones is gonna kill off. <laughs> because that's the latest episode you of Nick can't, You can't give that away, Oh, no, no, man. no. Enough, yes, enough. You no. can't, if you're not watching, like... I disagree with everything oh, going on. God. Right how long can you, how long is it, spo- like, can you never talk about a show? Yeah. So what's the deal? You can never talk about a show. I'm actually going to go through, I'm going to go through and I'm going to like, beep, I'm going to add a beep right here. I'm going to mark this down. <laughs> just, just to block it. I am doing this for whomever is watching Game of Thrones just like I, I am. So what's the rule? Like, you can never talk about a show, so we could be 70 years past Game of Thrones, and the no. next generation of podcasters are like, Game of Thrones was a good I show. I Sopran- Sopranos is good. I think two generations past. You could what's the cutoff? That. So do you have a cutoff? 15 years. 15 years. So yeah. 15 years after the final episode? I wasn't even thinking about the start, but I guess that, yeah, let's let's go with 10 years after the final episode. 10 years after the yeah. final episode. I think that's So fair. then what happens in the case of a Deadwood? Because Deadwood had three seasons. Mm-hmm. The show went off the air because HBO was an idiot, were idiots, and there was no social media, so nobody knew how big of a niche fan base Deadwood had. One of the best shows ever, Deadwood. You should great all show, watch great it. Great show. And so it didn't really resolve a lot of what how it ended in season three because they were canceled mid-season. They wrapped it up. Ultimately, years later, this was like last year or the year before, they came out with a movie. So is it 10 years past the date of the third season or 10 years past the movie? What did you say, 10 or 15? What was your I said cutoff? 10, yeah. Okay, was it 10 years past the date of the third season or 10 years past the movie? 
I mean, in that unique case, I say do whatever you want. See, you're opening yourself up to a lot of subjectivity here. And ultimately, I'm going to drop those spoilers. I think it's I think it's just courteous to to not do it. Oh, I wouldn't go. I think it's just courteous to not do it. (laughs) All right. Well, you know what? If there's any GOT fans, Game of Thrones fans who are watching it, kind of like I am right now, slide in my DMs and 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 substantiate what I'm saying to 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 basically make me right over. And be careful with the gifs that you send Nick with Thrones. I sent him one that I knew of an episode he had already seen where Joffrey says. I am your king. To, no, what is he say? No, I am a king to to uh, Tyrion. But don't. And that was a horrendous Joffrey impression, by the way. Jeez, I can't hit that <laughs> note. But don't make sure you don't do any spoilers in those gifs because he's still on what season four, I believe, uh, early season four. So just keep all that in mind. But anyway, back to the Giants. Yeah, my ideal draft day two would be exactly that: either Aziz or honestly Jeremiah Wusukormo. I don't really. I don't feel as needy to get that edge i'm fine with mm. the digging a bow uh, or i don't know if i'm ever gonna pronounce that right just odenabo just don't even pronounce the g yeah, yeah. no g adenabo carter zimenez anderson coughlin brown mix and Those match guys, just yeah. chuck them all in doesn't really matter you're getting pressure and owusukormo because i saw enough on owusukormo's tape that he can pressure and he can blitz so he would be it would be one of those two and then like you said Whoever falls, the best interior offensive lineman on date uh, um, with their third round pick. Let's say they go jock. You know they're going to add an edge eventually in this draft, yes. I would imagine. Is there somebody a little bit later in the draft that interests you a little no. bit more? No, quite frankly, no. I hate this hedge class. I mean, you might have someone. Yeah, no, I do. I have uh, Chris Rump from. Okay, fine. Duke. I don't want to say no. Shaka Tony. Shaka. I like Shaka. I'm a Shaka fan. And I kind of like Rashad Weaver. I know nobody likes Rashad Weaver. Rashad Weaver was super productive in college. Like, I think, had a ton of pressures. I think Ellerson Smith. I think Baron Brown. Oh, you like Ellerson Smith. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, you're big. So there are some names. Yeah, no, there definitely are. There's some names. If Shaka Tony, I know it's not Shocker, but if Shaka Tony gets a sack, do you think he throws up the Shocker? that's a good question and let's end it on that let's throw it out on there all right everyone that is the day one post-draft recap for the new york football giants for big blue banter podcast we had a lot of fun doing it as always thanks again to all of you our award-winning listeners who make this possible i want to thank every one of you for sticking with us in draft season for you know, giving us that positive review and that positive feedback on iTunes, whether it's a five-star review, something you write into the review, you know, a note you leave us on Twitter. If you did, go ahead and please do head over to our YouTube page and like our new YouTube page, Big Blue Banter on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram, MYBigBlueBanter. Of course, of course, of course. Any of you have done any of that. We really do appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow night following the conclusion of day two. We can't wait. Otherwise, have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code balance10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.